Did you know that the perfect snack exists that not only has the yum factor, because that's important, but also packs a real protein punch? I'm talking about Wonderful Pistachios, a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Now that's a snack you can feel really good about. It's hard for me to currently pick a fave because they have several flavors to choose from, including no salt and jalapeno lime options. But if I absolutely had to, I'd say I'm in my no shells, wonderful pistachios, sea salt and vinegar era. It's the ultimate snacking solution for when you need a quick, convenient and tasty boost of pistachio goodness straight out of the bag. Whether you enjoy the ritual of cracking open each nut or you lean towards the ease of no shells, Wonderful Pistachios has something for everyone. It's time to elevate your snacking game with Wonderful Pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Hey guys, this is Bree with the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. What's going on? Happy Monday. Um, I know that a lot of us are at home right now because of hashtag Rage and Rona, um, COVID-19. And um, there's a lot going on right now. There is a whole lot going on right now. But one thing I want to try to do is keep up with the podcast episodes and um, do actually more episodes. But at least every Monday, there's going to be an episode dropping. I have been trying to work on some stuff behind the scenes and baby let me tell you it has messed up my entire schedule from the ruta to the tuta so um just know that i am working diligently to get stuff cracking um i'm updating the website the brown girl self-care website and some other things so yeah i am using this time as much as possible to um, get things done behind the scenes. I'm taking a couple of courses. I'm reading books and um, doing some other stuff during this down. I mean, it's not really downtime, but you know what I mean? During this downtime, I guess. And I hope that you are finding ways to keep yourself busy in a healthy way uh, as well as um, taking, you know, at least five minutes to do some breathing Uh, Maybe I will do another podcast episode this week about that. Just that alone. Just a really quick episode. Um, But in any case, today I have uh, a guest of the show. Her name is Crystal Dillard. And she's going to be talking to us today about her journey of getting out of debt. Um, Let me tell you, she and her husband were able to pay off $52,000 in debt. And now they have a combined net worth of about $130,000 thousand <laughs> let me emphasize that again emphasize that again one hundred thirty thousand dollars um in net worth and um so today we're going to be talking about just what it was like growing up how she got into debt what that looked like for her what that what that experience was like um kind of what how she was able to make some some shifts to get out of debt 
um, they did, they were able to pay off their debt, um, in a pretty fast way. And you'll hear more about that in the podcast episode, but not only that, you're going to get some takeaways, just some super, super simple ways to start. Um, if you've are uh, finding yourself in debt or you have some some stories um, some narratives that maybe you grew up in a certain situation and you just don't think that being debt free is for you I'm here to tell you sis that it is so please um, take out a notepad she's going to give us a few pointers as as she is sharing her journey and um, let me go ahead and let you get right into this episode Hey, good morning, Crystal. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Good, good. I am so excited and so thankful that you agreed to be on the show today to share your amazing wealth of information to the Brown Girls self-care community. And I'm excited to get going and get all these good takeaways. So um, before I jump in, can you um, just tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, so I am um, Crystal Dillard, and I am on Instagram as Crystal Financial Friend, and I spend a lot of time just sharing my financial journey, you know, with people and letting people know that it is possible to become debt free, and it is also possible to, you know, develop and grow wealth. Um, much of the information that I've learned along along the way has also been things that I've learned from other people who are giving away free content through podcasts and books and YouTube. And so um, it's really important to me that I just share the knowledge and, and pass the, the wealth of information that, that is available. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. I love that. And that's when I saw, cause I've, we've been on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I know that you're a part of the Brown Girl self-care community and I think it's when I followed you on my other company, Instagram, that I saw a bit about how um, you had saved or, or paid off a great amount of wealth in like, or debt, debt, excuse me, not wealth. You didn't pay off any wealth. Mm-hmm. You paid off some debt <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, within a short amount of time. And I was like, what? So I said, oh, no, I have to <laughs> I have to have her on this on this mm-hmm. podcast because I need to get the details. I need the manuscript. I need the blueprint. <laughs> I need the plans. I need the map to the treasure of debt free living because um, I think I know a little bit, but I don't really mm-hmm. know. I have So I need the details. So that's why mm-hmm. I want to have you on. So thanks for being so open to to coming on and to sharing and just giving us just that good word. So, <clears throat> excuse me, let's go ahead and just jump right on in. So tell me, um, I guess, tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into the beginning portions of your debt, I guess, because there was one part that I read that while you were single, you were working to pay off some amount of debt but then when you got married, things kind of changed and the debt, I guess, kind of grew or can you kind of mm-hmm. just tell us, start from the beginning on how this all started? <clears throat> yep. Yep. So the background would really be, you know, I have to first talk a little bit about just like childhood because I've come mm-hmm. to understand so much about how the mindset and the ideas that I had in childhood are part of what kind of got me. <laughs> well, it's part of what got me where I am today, you know, yes. in, in multiple ways. So 
in childhood, I really grew up in a home. I'm, I'm from Los Angeles. When I heard you were, I think you're in Los Angeles too, which is, yes. that's, my, that's my hometown. I'm from right. Los Angeles, you know, woo, grew woo. Up mostly in the Inglewood area. Hey, and, me too. Uh, yeah, that, that's my home. You know, those are my people and that's where I came yes. from. I mean, really, that's it. You know, grew up in, you know, right off of uh, Crenshaw and 63rd and then later moved to Inglewood. So that's my, you know, that's where I grew up. And my family was the kind of family that really struggled financially. You know, we, we actually mm -hmm. moved quite a bit and, um, you know, we struggled, you know, both of my parents struggled. They, they both grew up in, in sort of middle-class uh, homes, but when, mm -hmm. by the time they had kids or they had me, cause I'm an only child, um, they were really struggling, you know, and at times mm -hmm. they, you know, especially my mom, she had really good jobs. She actually, at one point, was a legal secretary with Johnny Cochran. And that was back in the Johnny oh, wow. Cochran days, you know, oh, so wow. she was making good money, but they did not know a whole lot about what to do with that money. You know, and one of the things that, um, that I grew up with was we always lived in apartments like that, especially growing mm -hmm. up in LA, we was apartment living. I grew up in apartments yep. and, you know, I watched my parents do the best that they could, but it felt that it felt like money was always tight. And mm -hmm. we never had it. I mean, those, those were the conversations that happened when I wanted to get stuff for school or whatever. It was like, we don't have it. And things were tight. And that's the kind of uh, way that I grew up. So when I went off to college, um, it was a really big deal for me. And mm -hmm. I financed a lot of my college education through student loans because um, mm -hmm. I didn't have that sort of family support um, for mm -hmm. college. They just di really didn't have it. And so between student loans and work study and, and all of and some grants that I could get my hands on and, and scholarships, I was pretty much on my own at that point. And once I started uh, making more money, I don't really think I knew what to do <laughs> with the money mm -hmm. I was making. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And throughout yes. my college and especially um, later working on my <clears throat> master's degree, uh, I took out more student loans than I really needed to. You know, I can be honest with myself about that today. Um, and I also started, you know, using credit cards in a way that I look back on now and I'm like, dang, I wish somebody would have told me <laughs> how, it, you know, that interest worked because I don't think I really Ooh. understood how it worked at the time that I was doing that at 21 and 22 years old. So how I originally got into debt was uh, a lot of mismanagement of credit cards and, you know, running, running out of my paycheck quickly and sort of using a credit card to keep going to do the mm. things that I want. I mean, I was actually just really irresponsible with money in my early 20s. And by the time I hit my mid 20s, I realized like, wait a minute, <laughs> You know, I kind of hit what I would call a, a certain rock bottom in my life. And when mm -hmm. I hit that point, um, money was a part of that. You know, I realized mm -hmm. I had creditors calling me and um, it, I just I didn't feel good about where I was financially. And at that point, I started at ground zero in debt repayment. And what that mm -hmm. meant for me at the time was I went out and I read a couple of books and I started doing things where. I made deals with my creditors to pay very little at a time. I, I wasn't making much money at that time. And one by one, I paid off pretty much all of my consumer debt. All my credit cards were paid off. Um, anything that was consumer debt, I paid off. 
what I still had was my student loans, but I was right. one of those people that just resigned myself to, these are going to be here for life. So, oh, well, <laughs> That's, I really was just like, okay, well, I'm just about I to I got a few medical bills life. like that. Look, I got a few medical bills like that. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I mean, you can't get blood from a turnip. I'll give you $20 Girl. at a time. You know, I had that kind yes. of attitude about yes. my student loans. And I knew other people who had that attitude and it made it real comfortable for me to mm -hmm. be okay just knowing that I was going to live with this certain amount of debt that like, okay, it's not okay for me to have these credit cards because these interest rates are goo goo crazy, you know, uh, mm -hmm. just they're going to consume me literally. But I also felt so differently about my student loans. So what ended up happening was, so I got rid of the consumer debt and I was just kind of mm -hmm. living on paying minimum amounts for my uh, student loans. And then I got, I got in a relationship with who would become later become my husband. And mm -hmm. in our relationship, he early on, I mean, not early in the relationship, but once we were together a couple of years, he wanted to buy property. And mm -hmm. first of all, that was a mindset shift, uh, you know, on its own. Because in my mind, yes. growing up the way I grew up in Los Angeles, uh, home ownership was for those other people who had money. Mm -hmm. And yes. even though I was making a good salary, I had not made the shift where I realized, uh, crazy, you're one of those people now. Like, you can do this. And so yeah. we put our incomes together and he actually, like, forced me to go and sit down and see what we qualified for. I was absolutely kind of blown away that we could afford to become homeowners. And so wow. we did that. We actually bought a house before getting married. We actually, we got married in our backyard. Um, we bought our home. And once we bought that home, that's when money started to mean something different for me um, at home ownership. Mm -hmm. And once I saw those student loans and now we're, you know, we got married and we put all of our money together and he had some student loans and now we have this home, which is a huge responsibility. That's when I started looking at debt differently. All mm -hmm. of a sudden it went from consumer debt is negative to really, I don't want to have any of this debt. <laughs> like I don't mm -hmm. want any of this. Yeah. And um, the final straw in our marriage when it came to debt actually happened when the government shutdown happened um, mm -hmm. at the beginning, the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. And my husband's a government employee and he mm -hmm. did not get paid for uh, however mm. long that lasted. I think yeah, it might've been two months. It oh might've been yeah. two I knew it was at least two. Yeah. Yeah. It was at least two mm -hmm. months. And mm -hmm. him not getting that paycheck and all of a sudden that was the moment where I think both of us realized that those student loans, everything that was a debt, including student loans, if you stop getting an income, they mm -hmm. still expect to get their money. <laughs> mm, right. And that was the moment where we both really put our heads together and decided to get really serious about getting rid of all of our debt, that we just really did not want to have debt. We didn't want to have to owe anybody. And we wanted to be in that place that if one of us was to lose our job, we would be okay. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I actually reached out um, to get the help of a financial coach, which my husband was not a fan of. Like he did not understand spending money to learn how to save and invest money. Like that didn't make sense to him. But I knew that there were some limitations that both he and I had 
towards, you know, if you keep looking at the same problems with the pair of eyes that caused the problem in the first place, you may not be able to see that solution that somebody who's completely on the outside can see. And so um, I got hooked up with a financial coach and she supported us in creating a debt repayment plan. And in that time, I also started learning more from her about saving and investing. And we really got into this mindset where we were going to live off 50% of our income and we were going to use the other 50% first to get rid of debt and then later to start investing uh, for this idea of reaching an early retirement. And we did that. Um, we were able to sell our home that was in Los Angeles. That's one of the ways that uh, we actually were, were able to pay off so much debt quickly was that when we did sell our home in Los Angeles, we made enough of a profit off of that that we were able to pay our student loans off completely. And so since that time, we've been working on living on 50% of our income and learning how to invest that other 50% and start growing wealth. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So that is, uh, that's amazing. Number one. And I want to go back to some of the points that you made, um, so that we can just kind of really hone in on some stuff that worked for you that didn't work for you, et cetera. Because what I want is for the, the community that, um, the Brown girl self-care community, I know that there are a lot of us, myself included that are not debt-free. Um, mm -hmm. There are a lot of us that are living paycheck to paycheck. Some of us are single. Some of us are married. Um, some of us mm -hmm. are parents. Some of us are single moms of one, two, three plus children um, mm -hmm. or single dads. Um, and we're listening to your story and we're just like, damn, that's amazing. And I want that to be me, not necessarily to have mm -hmm. your life, but just to have that. I'm, I'm going to be real to be debt free in America is a privilege. Yeah. That affords you so much um, that a lot of us do not have. And by privilege, mm -hmm. that's not to take away from the blood, sweat and tears of your journey and the sacrifices mm -hmm. you made. But once you get to that level, you know what I'm saying? It's like the mm -hmm. world opens up to you. You don't have yeah. to work at that job that you want to tell them to kiss your backside every day um, because mm -hmm. you're good. You can leave at any time and go work another job, start a business or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. It's just, your, I'm assuming your credit score is phenomenal. You don't, if mm -hmm. you had to, for example, let's say you had to go out and get a new car because your car mm -hmm. broke down. Not that you would, because I know you don't want to have that payment or have mm -hmm. to now have 20,000, 30,000, 10,000, whatever that you're having to pay off. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying, yeah. if you had to, with the credit score, you're not going to pay, you know, 13% interest, 15% interest, 20% interest. You know what I'm saying? You're going to pay like 0% yeah. interest or 0.9% or, or whatever the case may be. Or even with buying a house, your credit score affects how much you're going to have to pay back on these, in, like the like a ho the house that you want. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. um, different programs and stuff like that all are determined like, like how much, uh, what your, what your credit score is, how much wealth or uh, assets you have and different things like that. So when you're able to go from having X amount of debt to being completely debt-free, <laughs> that yeah. is just, that's amazing. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. So I want to go back a little bit. And you said that your parents 
um, and I'm assuming your parents were married, obviously, because they were together. No, and they were not married. They were not married, and they were not together. <laughs> oh, what well, happens when I assume? <laughs> so, but so, so were you raised um, primarily, you know, by your mom? You know, I was raised by both my parents, and I think that's why I talk about it in the way that I do. Mm-hmm. They, um, there were times that I lived with my mom, and there were times mm-hmm. that I lived with my dad. So I lived okay. with both of them individually at different times. Hmm. Okay. But you're saying that both of them, um, they just, like your mom had a really good paying job. Um, mm-hmm. However, they just were, were was, was that their story? Like we're in debt and we're always going to be in debt. So let me just keep going to work and just do the best I can. Mm-hmm. I, so they- I understand that. Yeah, they they each had had separate stories, really. My mm-hmm. mom's story really was that I, I make good money, but I I'm going to be in debt and I'm not worried about paying those debts. I mean, that's wow. the way she was and that's the way she thought. Mm-hmm. And my dad, on the other hand, um, he he didn't make great money. I mean, he was a cab driver, actually. He mm-hmm. was a taxi driver in Los Angeles. And it, mm-hmm. and he may and I think just having a job like taxi driver where you're mm-hmm. bringing in cash every day, but you can't predict mm-hmm. the amount you're going to make creates mm-hmm. a certain kind of scarcity mindset because Ooh. you're constantly doing what you can do each day. So the, Girl, you know together yes. those were the two examples that I had one that was completely wow. scarcity and one that was I'm gonna like, do oh what well. I want when I want and oh well <laughs> right oh my God. and I think I've gone between both of those <laughs> yes that scarcity mindset um ah, that is just so and we kind of talked about this a little before we started recording but that's just kind of where I am right now as far as like trying to move past that mindset and working on that every single day because I feel like when you're sucked into that mindset it's hard to break it away is. from that mindset yeah. so like for example especially when he's like making and I don't know how much cab drivers make let's just pretend like one mm-hmm. day he might make dollars a day Another day he might make $25 a day. Another day he may make $125 a day or $200 a day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But that mindset yeah. of, am I going to make enough? Am mm-hmm. I going to have enough to pay off these bills? I don't know consistently what I'm going to be making. And just that fear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of not knowing. It's scary. Yeah. That's And that's where I am right now. It's scary. You know? It is. It's so very scary. You have that mindset mm-hmm. for your entire life and you've been brought up in that type of environment. I've been saying for years and I keep telling my daughter, like I live in a, I don't live in an apartment, quote unquote. I live in a very nice townhouse and we've lived mm-hmm. here for t- oh, almost 10 years, eight, nine. I don't even know how long we've been living here, eight, nine, 10 years, but I'm paying X amount of dollars, $1,500 a month. You do the mm-hmm. math on that $1,500 a month times eight, nine, 10 years. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not in an apartment. So at least we're not in an apartment, but I've never owned a house. My mom owns mm-hmm. a condo. And unfortunately she had, I don't, I think she sold it. I'm not even mm-hmm. sure that was some years ago. I think she sold it for, I don't even know why the heck she sold it. Maybe because she needed the money. I'm not honestly sure. I don't remember, but it's like owning property in our family 
like I, I know of maybe two relatives in my family, in my immediate family that have owned a home um, in their in their lifetime. That mm. is not okay. That is not yeah. normal. It is normal for our community. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a whole reason why we're not homeowners and I, I get all that, but I'm saying the point is growing, growing up with that kind of mindset, like we ain't gonna never have a house we ain't gonna never be able to afford a house. We can't get a house. That's crazy. That having a house is not for us. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. the kind of environment that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I'm in my 40s. I have never owned a house in my life. And so I mm. keep telling my daughter, I and she thinks I'm crazy. I know she does, but I <laughs> know for a fact. This I'm speaking facts. I am going to own a beautiful home that I am going to be able to leave to my daughter. Um, I, I'm just, I have to break this cycle, but when you yeah. grow up in that mindset and the things that you see, struggling mom, struggling dad, barely making ends meet, robbing Peter to pay Paul, um, yeah. lights going off, up, scrambling to, to borrow money so you can get the lights back on, scrambling to make money for groceries, scrambling to afford the things that come up with school, scrambling to let your kids try to have outside activities we don't realize the how how that shifts our mindset. Ugh, and other I'm so glad you're talking that. about that. Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad you're talking about that because I I really agree with you that it, it creates a mindset that is a that becomes a limiting belief for the mm-hmm. child of what is possible for them. And what was so crazy about my circumstance was that. Mm-hmm. Here I was, this person who went off, got this college degree, got a master's degree, and was perfectly capable of making a good salary. And yet, mm-hmm. that because I still had that mindset, it took me years for my mindset to catch up with what I was making. You know, I mm-hmm. was still doing things in my 20s, like getting a payday loan. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I think about mm-hmm. that now, I just could just, oh, I could beat my own butt thinking about getting a payday loan. <laughs> Don't get no payday loans unless you have to. Keep. And I hate to yes. say it like that because that I understand that things happen and that mm-hmm. people end up in these circumstances. So it's not a judgment. Listen, I'm not mm-hmm. judging because I did it. Yes. But I am yes. saying that that is a scheme and a scam. Mm-hmm. And what I realized, so just to give your viewers even just some little tidbits of things that really helped me is that it's about learning how to be intentional with your money. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. making enough. I didn't think I made enough, but that's because I had been living in a certain way where I just really wasn't paying attention to my money. I didn't know how to pay attention and how to be intentional. If you slow down and you really start Mm -hmm. to track your finances and you start to understand what you're spending your money on and start Mm -hmm. to make decisions, sometimes really hard decisions about what's worth it and what's not, You'll find out if you do something like cut your cable, which might be costing you $150 a month, and you decide I'm just going to have Netflix for, I don't know, $10 or $15 a month. Now you Mm -hmm, have freed mm -hmm. up money that can go towards something else like debt repayment. So it's about slowing down and getting intentional and to get out of that panic mindset that you're living in where you're just so trying to survive that you don't have any time to really think. And we're always in panic mode. And that's something that I, that's like my, my, that's my panic mode is my center. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Panic mode is my center. It's what I'm used to. It's where I go back to. And I think that we self-sabotage because we want, mm-hmm. like you were saying, how you were making X amount of dollars. You were making good money. Obviously, you're highly mm-hmm. intelligent. You knew that this wasn't right. But it's like we self-sabotage to kind of get back to that place of comfort. Maybe mm-hmm. if we do better, we're like, uh-oh, this doesn't feel normal. This doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm supposed to be here. I don't think I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be on this level. So let me do yeah. something. Like for me, I I self, and I still, let me tell you something. And I'm going to keep it real. I self-sabotaged and I still self-sabotage, but I self-sabotaged so much in my 20s and 30s. For example, mm. I too had, like I, besides when I was like my 18, 19, like I worked at Taco Bell, McDonald's, whatever. But in my real jobs, you know, I made good money. First job, or good for me as a single parent. First job in my early 20s, I was making maybe, I don't even know how much I was making. Let's say, let's say before taxes, maybe about 40 to 50K. And mm-hmm. then in my second job that I just recently quit, it fluctuated as well. So I would make on the low side, maybe about 45 to 50. On the high side, I could make about 65 K, 70 K. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. but in my, during this period, I've had so many opportunities to get out of debt, Crystal, mm-hmm. but I would self-sabotage because I wanted it now and I wanted mm-hmm. the best of whatever I could get. And I didn't want to wait for it because I never had anything. Okay. I never had anything nice. So I want it mm-hmm. now. I want the new car. I went through so many cars in my 20s and 30s and 40s. Do you hear me? So many cars. Okay. I I probably, in my 25 years of driving, I think I've been driving for about 25 years, roundabout. I've probably had 10 new cars, maybe 10 used or new cars from a, from a Toyota Camry that I got. And then I went and traded it in because, oh, it didn't have the air conditioning in the back row. Okay. Mm-hmm. To another Toyota Camry that I have now to a, a lease, a Ford Edge, a this, a that. I've had so many, so many cars. Okay. Had I just stuck with, let's say two cars. Okay. In 25 years, three cars, three cars in 25 years. Do you know how better off I would be financially? Seriously. Mm-hmm. But I chose to, I continue to self-sabotage. And then on top of that, I still do it. Like, for example, I, again, I, because I do think that we deserve, I'm not saying you have to go cheap. I don't say, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you have to not treat yourself or have the nice things in life that you want, but also that with that comes responsibility of working for it and saving for it and Mm -hmm. waiting. You don't have to have it right now. So I'm struggling right now. But yet I go out and mind you, I literally just paid off all my credit card debt. Okay. Mm, literally just, just paid. Well, there's a backstory to that. Okay. <laughs> there's a backstory to that. That ain't so pretty, but I went and paid off all my credit card debt. Okay. Thousands of dollars. And so what do I do? So I have this credit card with a thousand dollar limit on it. Other ones have much bigger balances, but I'm like, okay, I will just use this small one that has thousand dollar limit for my business mm-hmm. stuff. Cause there's a lot of business stuff that I need, you know, for the two businesses. So mm-hmm. I go out and I buy this damn new microphone because I wanted it. 
you know, so I spent 250 bucks on the microphone accessories, got it from Amazon, still sitting in the box. I just got it last week. And literally yesterday, I had to tell myself, you're not keeping that. You have fought to get to this place. Why are you self-sabotaging? Send it back. You cannot afford it right now. Doesn't mean you can't mm -hmm. have it, but you cannot afford it. Send it back. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's going back because I have to break these cycles. And so I want to learn from you. Like, how did you get intentional? What mm. mindset shifts did you have and how did you get you? And then also you and your husband start to get intentional with making these changes. What kinds of things did you do? Mm. Woo, you are telling the truth in here. And here's the thing I really love. I love that you are talking about, because this is really, you know, my real belief is that mm -hmm. there's a certain amount of trauma that comes mm -hmm. in to the way we've lived. You know, there, there's trauma there. And if there's trauma, then we have to heal. And yeah. I think that's why I'm so, you know, like you, I am, I'm so into self-care because if I can't heal then I, I'm not going to be able to change my mindset. So for mm -hmm. me, you know, when you ask, how did my mindset change? It really, like I said, I really hit a rock bottom in my life where mm -hmm. all of the things that I, all that survival didn't work. And the, the, the things that I was using to survive and to try to cope to the best of my abilities were really exhausting me and hurting me and not working. So when mm -hmm. I got to that bottom, I started to look for things to help me heal. And that mm -hmm. was in every area of my life, mind, body, and spirit. I needed to heal. And so some of the things specifically that have happened in terms of my financial mindset, it started a lot with taking information in. I, I have read and so much over the years about money in general, but even just mindset, you know, there's a lot mm -hmm. of books like uh, the Richest Man in Babylon. That was an mm. easy read that I read early on in my um, financial journey. And that's mm -hmm. a great book because it's written as a parable. And it yes. talks about just basic things that we can do. The Millionaire Next Door. That's a book I've read and reread over the years a couple of times. And that's a great book for just talking about the simplicity of like, how do, how do people live where they can become everyday people who just know how to manage their money and maybe develop some wealth that makes them feel more secure in their life. So I started asking those questions and I had to recognize that what I had been given in terms of my childhood and what I experienced with money, it wasn't healthy. It wasn't a mm -hmm. healthy mindset. So if I didn't have a healthy mindset and I wanted a healthy mindset, I was going to have to get intentional about changing that mindset. So in the beginning, that looks like a lot of taking in information, reading books, listening to podcasts. Now uh, YouTube is like amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's people that I follow and listen to because they are teaching me, someone who is brand new to financial independence and ideas about personal finance, new information. Mm -hmm. And little by little, my mindset started to change. And then I have to give my husband some credit because so my mindset started shifting before I met my husband, what I would say it had shifted to the point that I was looking for a partner who also 
so was woke, so, so to say was woke in this area. So I wasn't mm-hmm. looking for a man who had that. My husband's credit score, <laughs> like when we met, I remember talking credit with him and he had, I think he had an 800 credit score when we met oh. each other. Mm-hmm. So I, he was a person, I, I believe because I changed my mindset. I That's actually crazy. attracted a, a person. Mm-hmm. I know. I thought the same thing. <laughs> he has some funny stories about I think that. I'm People doing good with believe. those 700s. That's amazing. Right. <laughs> Well, he had, you know, he tells me funny stories about how people didn't believe it. Like he would go in Mm -hmm. to buy a car and they'd run his credit and they just could not believe that like a young black man was walking around with that credit. They just didn't believe it. They had to run it two or three times. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, you know, because I changed my mindset, I believe I attracted Mm -hmm. a partner into my life who was healthier in that area. And another mm-hmm. thing I wanted to mention, just because you were talking mm-hmm. about home ownership, I'm exactly like you growing up in, and I do think when you grow up in an area like Los Angeles, that's a, an expensive place to buy yes. property. I mm-hmm. think that also changes the story. My husband is from Philadelphia and he, mm-hmm. you know, both his parents were homeowners. So he mm-hmm. grew up with home ownership being normal and being yeah. something that, you know, most people he knew owned property and that's because at the time people were buying property for you know 50 to a hundred thousand fifty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars it's never been like that for those of us who grow up in these really expensive areas so right all that is kind of nuanced where you know depending on where you grew up all of that plays a role into what you think is possible for you yeah that that is true because I know that LA, like even in my area, these houses are going for like six hundred thousand up to a million dollars, and I'm like, these houses are not worth <laughs> that yeah. kind of money. Like if I go to another state, yeah. that house would be like two hundred and fifty thousand easily. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why I already know that I have to move out of. Um, yeah. California, like I have to, and that's, and, and so that's going to happen. But in any case, you are, you are true. Like some, cir- some circumstances do make it hard to, to achieve home ownership, but a lot of the responsibility, you know, is on me, but there are a few nuances, like you said. So that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So and, like if I, I, oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to add into that, that that's yeah. another part of my story. Like when I, when I share about you know, all these things happening. We had this $52,000 in debt and suddenly we're debt free and, you know, building our net worth. Another mm-hmm. part of that journey, like there's been parts of our journey that were unintentional, you know, mm-hmm. that were things that just we fell into. And mm-hmm. one of the things we fell into was moving away from Los Angeles. Now that was not something that we had planned. I mean, people do that. People make the decision to leave a really expensive place to live Mm -hmm. in a less expensive place in order to positively affect their financial journey. We didn't do that for that reason, but it Mm -hmm. backfired into (gasps) a positive. (laughs) So we ended up moving from Los Angeles to Mm -hmm. Philadelphia. We did that in order to support my uh, husband's uh, family. Who showed you that it was okay to aim high and go for your dreams while also just being yourself? For me, it was radio host Big Boy, Oprah, and KTLA news reporter Gail Anderson. In part, these people are the reason why this podcast specifically exists. This is the power of Black representation in media. 
The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is more than a podcast. It's a celebration of Blackness from NPR where every voice is as distinct and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In this collection, you'll find stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment. Each episode, a living account of what it means to be Black today. From the intricate narratives of The Wire to the wisdom of Michelle Obama and the urgent call for reparations, Black Stories, Black Truths really is the truth. Space wasn't always made for our perspective, so NPR's new collection is necessary as it celebrates the richness of the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. My hair is kinky, it's coily, it's beautiful, it's all the things, but the dryness is real, so it's also prone to feeling parched. This is why Waze Anti-Frizz Cream is my new BFF. It not only changes frizz, but helps my hair feel more hydrated. Listen, summer is coming. We are trying to be outside, going to brunch, plus traveling, and summer activities aren't always kind to our strands, okay? So let me tell you what I do for this. I wash my hair every one to two weeks. Don't sleep on Waze Detox Shampoo, by the way, if you have hard water or buildup. I detangle, I smooth in a little of the Way Anti-Frizz Cream, then shingle in my natural gel. My hair is frizz-free, it's hydrated, and it's cute for days. Love sleek styles? Waze Anti-Frizz Cream works as a heat protectant up to 450 degrees as well. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code self-care for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, promo code self-care. Feeling more grounded and relaxed is Black Girl Peace for me. And so I really need that while doing things like uh, tackling my to-do list or even braving this crazy LA traffic. If you know, you know. So something that helps me tap in is Recess Mood. It's a delicious sparkling water made to enhance your relaxation time and mood without any alcohol involved. So what you will get instead is real fruit, mood lifting magnesium, and stress balancing adaptogens. And again, no alcohol plus no added sugar. So I've tried all the flavors and I really, really like strawberry rose. It's like um, a little burst of peace in the middle of chaos because again, for real, navigating this Cali traffic is insane. Now, recess mood is not only my go-to for staying balanced while on the go, but it's also good for chilling at home too. It's like having a little slice of relaxation right in the palm of your hand. So next time you need a little pick-me-up without the alcohol, without the hangover, give recess mood a shot. It's been a fantastic addition to my routine. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Parents who were getting older, but Mm -hmm. through making that move, we were able to sell our home in Los Angeles, pay off debt, and now we actually, um, we're house hacking. So we own a duplex here in Philadelphia and we Mm -hmm. live in one, you know, in one unit and our, um, our tenant basically pays the bulk of our mortgage. That's not something that would have been very, I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible in Los Angeles, because let me just tell you, I follow somebody who house hacks in Los Angeles and he blows my mind. I'm like, how did you do that? Like, how Mm -hmm. did you get that much money in the game 
that you mm-hmm. can buy a duplex in Los Angeles and, and, or wow. even a single family home and have people, mm-hmm. you know, renting rooms. So that's just to say, if you're creative, there's people mm-hmm. out there who are creative and they're willing to sacrifice. If you're creative mm-hmm. and you're willing to sacrifice, you can do anything. But a lot of it is, again, mindset. When you want something bad enough and you put that goal in your mind, suddenly your actions will start to go to change in order to meet the goal. So mm-hmm. I wanted to add that in that us moving from Los Angeles to Philadelphia also played a huge part uh, in our financial change. It was not something we did on purpose, but it certainly mm-hmm. did help. Well, I love that because sometimes you have to move out of your comfort zone. Um, I'm sure you were happy. I'm assuming you were happy in Los Angeles for the most part, um, mm-hmm. but you then had to pick up and move. But sometimes things can work for our better good um, with new environments, new spaces, change growth growing into new uh, situations. So that worked out for your benefit. And that's awesome. Now, is that how you were able to pay off that 50,000 plus dollars? Like, did you have equity in your home? Um, Mm -hmm. And then once you sold it, you were able to obviously, you obviously, if you sold it and there was equity, you were able to get that money. And and is that what you use to pay off the $50,000 plus debt? Or were you able to do it in a, a different way? That is how we mostly did it. I mean, up until that point, we were in, we were already in debt repayment. So we Mm -hmm. were, we were working on a snowball where we had a certain amount of money each month. We were knocking out one debt at a time. We were taking every little side job we could get to add more and more. And we were already in Philadelphia holding on to our home in Los Angeles. We were renting it. And Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden, now that we've made this decision to become debt free, we opened our mind to think about all possibilities. And when we mm-hmm. opened up to all possibilities, that's when we realized that we could sell our home. So selling our home just uh, cut the process in half. I mean, it would have probably mm-hmm. took us about a year to year and a half to have gotten out of all of our debt without mm-hmm. selling our home. But selling our home, you know, was able as like soon as we sold it. Yep, that's exactly what happened. Oh, how awesome. You guys, that, that's so amazing. So like, if you're like me or one of our listeners mm-hmm. that are in, in debt <laughs> mm-hmm. and we're ready to make some changes, um, not to say that the listeners haven't started making changes, but you know, um, what are like some of the beginning steps that you could recommend? Like, what are maybe like your top three, like start here or just steps to start getting out of, out of debt? So the first thing, and this, this is not an original thought, like nothing that I'm Mm going to say now is original. These ideas Mm -hmm. are in lots of places you can find. The first thing that I would do is to start to track my spending. So I used Mm. to think that it was about budgeting, but I actually found if you start by tracking your spending first, that is how you can learn to make a... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. You cut off for some reason. So can you start again with step one, just in case we didn't get that? Yeah. So step one, I would say is to start to track your spending. I Mm -hmm. used to think that, you know, coming up with a budget was step one, but it really isn't. If you don't, if you don't know what it takes for you to live on a month to month or week to week basis, then creating a budget is probably going to be an unrealistic step for you. So Mm. starting off by just tracking your spending, I mean, a, a low tech way to do it is keep a little notebook. Every time you spend money, write it down. Just mm-hmm. write down what you spent and what you spent it on. 
so that at the mm -hmm. end of the month, you can look back and you can actually know where all your money went. That's low tech. Mm. If you mm -hmm. want to go more high tech, you can use, uh, there's all kinds of apps that are out there. Like, uh, the mint app is one that's helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, every dollar is the app I kind of just personally live by. And I'll tell you why oh, in wow. a minute, that app. Mm -hmm. uh, that app is helpful. Um, but so step one really is track your spending. Because mm -hmm. once you see what you spend your money on, first of all, you wake up and you can say, wait a minute, I'm spending a thousand dollars eating out every month. I don't <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> I don't want it because you got, you have to get clear. The first step mm -hmm. is you need to get honest with yourself about where your money is going. If you're, right. your money's going somewhere every month, mm -hmm. your money's going somewhere. Where is it going? You need to personally know where it's going. And mm -hmm. once you know where, where it's going, step two is then to create a budget. So after you know where it's going in step one, in step two, you can then become intentional by setting some expectations for yourself around your money. And that's mm -hmm. what a budget is su supposed to be. It's supposed to be something where it's a goal for you. Um, I personally use the everyday app, every dollar app. And the reason I love it for budgeting is because it's the first thing I ever used that that allowed me to not be perfect. I'm very all or nothing. I'm very mm -hmm. like, I got to do it perfect or I'm not doing it at all. <laughs> and right. most of my budgets, I struggled and would eventually give up on my budget because I couldn't do it perfectly. With the Every Dollar app, you can say, I'm going to spend $500 on, on food this month. And then if you spend $600, you can change that in the app and you can actually see all the other areas of your budget and see where can that other hundred dollars come from. So to me, that's a, um, it's more flexible. So it's like, okay, my goal was $500. I spent $600. So where can I then take a hundred dollars away? Okay. I was going to save $400 this month, but this month I can only save three because I overspent in this area. So that flexibility in budgeting is something that I like about the every dollar app. And then mm -hmm. the third step I would say is to create a debt repayment plan for yourself. It is, it's not impossible that once you set a budget, you should be able to find then what is the amount I can dedicate to, to paying back debt? Is it $50? Is it $100? Is it $500? Depending on how much money you're making and depending on how much you're willing to cut back expenses in step two, you should be able to come up with something you can spend money um, that you can put towards debt in step three. Now, if you're not making enough money, which is a totally different thing, but that yes, happens. I was gonna if you ask get you. To, yeah. Now, if you get to step three and you're like, what money? I don't have any money. Like, there's no money. Right. Well, then that's when you have to get real honest with yourself and make some hard decisions. Because mm. if you get to step three and you don't have any money to pay debt back, it might be time for you to either think about changing your job because you're not making enough money and that's the reality or uh, side hustling. And there's lots of kinds of side hustles that you can do. I mean, it, that gets kind of endless. And especially nowadays, things like Instacart, um, you know, Uber, Lyft, there's just ways that if you absolutely need to make side money and you're not making enough money in what you're doing, that you can find these other ways to make money. And sometimes that means getting creative. And yes, it might mean sacrificing your time and your energy to go towards that. But the good news is once you start putting in that energy and you start to get that debt down, 
you start feeling real good about yourself. I mean, the self-esteem that comes with knocking down debt and starting to get some of those early wins is what Mm -hmm. has pushed us to keep going and eventually become debt-free. And then the success of becoming debt-free is what pushes us to continue investing so that we can build wealth because we believe we can do it because we've seen ourselves do something like become debt-free. So it's like a snowball effect. Mm. Getting that weight of debt, that crippling weight of debt off your shoulders is like no other. It's just a, a different feeling. Like you can, I felt like when I paid off my credit cards bills that were a plenty, um, like a plenty, <laughs> a lot. I just felt like I could breathe again. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. even though I didn't have creditors calling, but I've had that in the past. Like again, mm-hmm. when I was in my twenties um, and thirties, just having debt caller or callers, you know, calling yourself or calling your phone, calling your cell phone, you know, trying to get money and all that kind of stuff. Like that is stressful. And I don't ever yeah. want to feel like that again. And even though I haven't felt that portion of it, of people calling and things like that, I, I just don't, just having zero debt, at least in one area of my life has been like the best thing in the world. So now it's like, okay, I owe still maybe like 10 to $12,000 on my car. How can Mm -hmm. I pay that off in the next, you know, year, year and a half? Like, how can Mm -hmm. I, how can I get this debt off my shoulders so that I can move on to the next step? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I like how you say that in step three, well, first of all, I liked all your steps, of course, but in the last step, you know, you're saying like once you've kind of budgeted and, and you've been intentional for the last 30 days or for the month, like just, you know, not even judging it, but just writing down like, you know, everything that you spend money on. It could be whatever, going out for drinks every Friday. It could be fast food. It could be, I don't know, taking trips, whatever the, whatever the case may be. Um, and you create your budget and then you start working to make a plan to repay your debt slowly, but surely, or however you see fit. If you get to step three and you know, there's a little more month, uh, left in, or there's a little more, what, how do they say? There's a little more month, but no money or whatever the case that saying is. It's like, you may have to do some things that you don't like today or for the next, Mm -hmm. you know, three years, four years to get to that place where you can finally be debt free. And just being a place now you can do more. Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to do the hard things. And we were talking about this before. Sometimes you got to do the hard things so that you can get to that next level. And it's not comfortable. It ain't mm-hmm. pretty. And um, but either way, in five years, you're either going to be, for example, debt free or mm-hmm. in five years, you're going to still be in crippling debt, still working, mm-hmm. still doing the still doing the same things. Yeah. So either way, the five years is going to come. It's up to us to figure out how that five years, that projection is how we're going to look in that in that five year yeah. uh, period. So either way, yeah. it's a choice. Yeah, it, it's about the development of discipline, self-discipline. So yeah. when we were talking earlier about that trauma and how, you know, you kind of face this sort of trauma growing up, even just around money and what you have and what you don't have and your mindset is just crazy. And then you get to the point where you realize something's wrong with that and you become aware. And so you start to heal. Well, the next step after healing or alongside healing is the development of self-discipline. You have Mm -hmm. to learn how to, to live within. And it's so important because even now, so we're out of debt now. And like I said, Mm -hmm. we're working towards uh, building our net worth. 
And as right now where our net worth is at $140,000, but we, we have mm-hmm. a goal of getting to a, a really specific number. And, and that mm-hmm. has to do with wanting to reach early retirement and be able to, yes. to live off of um, our, just our investments only. And, yes. and we really want that for ourselves so that we can have some freedom in this life beyond just working. Like I, I don't believe we were put here just to work. Now all mm-hmm. that mindset coming in, that's all new mindset from the, be- mm-hmm. from the building of healing and then discipline. But the discipline it takes to build that net worth and to maintain it and to still, we're still living on a budget to this day. So it's not mm-hmm. like you're going to become debt free and all of a sudden your discipline goes out the window. <laughs> like right. you're building, you're building your muscles. And the more mm-hmm. you build that muscle of discipline by becoming debt free, you will have the discipline needed to build your wealth and to maintain to really start to build the life you dream of for yourself it is only going to happen through self-discipline. I love that because just like with me in the microphone, which is a, it's a microphone that I've wanted for like a year now, but um, it's like, once you get out of that situation, like out of, out of the, off the stove, out of the fire pan mm-hmm. and you're like, now I can breathe. Now I, I, I feel a little comfortable. Now I feel a little, e- a little more easy. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. having that self-discipline and that mindset to know just because you're out don't mean you can't get back in. Uh-huh. So you have to be careful and intentional about those habits because like you you said, building up those that, that muscle of self-discipline, but those habits of the things that help me to get out of debt are the things that are going to help keep me out of debt and propel me to the next level. So like me and the microphone, I'm not ready for it yet, yeah. but it was like my, my, inst- my, my, my intention or my, my thought pattern, I guess, or my habit mm-hmm. was, okay, you are completely debt free. As far as your credit cards are concerned, go ahead and get that microphone, sis. You've wanted mm-hmm. it for a while. You're debt free. Or you, you know, your, all your credit cards are zeroed out. Go ahead and get that microphone because you know, you need it. But I really don't like, I'm not mm-hmm. even using it to record this podcast episode. You know what I'm saying? The, the podcast, the microphone that I have isn't necessarily the one that I want. Um, but it's, it's perfectly fine. It works perfectly mm-hmm. fine. So I don't need it. And even mm-hmm. if I did need a new microphone, did I need that one with all the stuff that came out to about 250 bucks? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's that, it's just that mindset of, once you're out, like I said before, trying to get back to that place of of where you were comfortable living for so long, it's like, okay, get back in debt. Buy it, yeah. get it, have it, do it. You need it. You want it. You should have it. You deserve the best. Why not? You know what I'm saying? If mm-hmm. I kept that mindset six months from now, do you know where I would be? Broke. <laughs> Credit cards ran the hell up. And that's happened to me before. Yeah. But I wasn't intentional about it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's important that we realize that just because you did these things, which were amazing, doesn't mean that you can't, like, you have to stay consistent with it and keep that mindset and allow that mindset that you've developed Mm -hmm. to keep you moving forward, not allow Mm -hmm. it to, your a negative mindset to put you back at square one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, another one that I just really um, 
another idea that I, I just want to bring into this conversation because this has been really helpful for me is mm-hmm. that there's another podcast that I really like listening to um, yeah. called the Min- the Minimalist. And oh, these I love guys, them. <laughs> yeah, I love those minimalist guys. And what, I do what too. they've really helped me bring into this is that another mindset shift is that knowing what I really love and what I really value helps mm-hmm. me set a more intentional budget. So for example, I like I was listening to you talking about I don't have to have this new I have something that works, so I don't have to have mm-hmm. the new. So, you know, mm-hmm. my husband and I, we drive, we share a car. We share, mm-hmm. we had two cars. We, um, uh, his car was um, totaled, parked on the street because that happens here oh, in wow. Philly. And oh, wow. instead of taking on a new bill, because that happened in our debt payoff journey, we chose mm-hmm. to share the car that we have. And to this mm-hmm. day, we share a 2010 Elantra that has driven cross country, <laughs> that has gone through a whole lot. Wow, but that's fine. And so when I think about the the minimalist, their addition to this conversation is that um, spend on what you love, and then be mercilessly cheap on the things that you don't care about. So my mm. husband and I don't really care about what we drive. That's not really important to us. But we mm-hmm. really love to travel. We love mm-hmm. travel. So we. You know, back in November, we went to Hawaii. We have a, a trip to South Africa planned at the end of the year. We love travel. So when we think about our budget, we budget a lot of money towards travel because we value that. And then we're really cheap about other things in our life, like our car, that are not mm-hmm. as important to us. So that's mm-hmm. another, you know, little thing that you can do that any of us can practice is just think about what you really care about. Do you really care about having a high price on everything or mm-hmm. is it just certain things that you care about the most that you want to make sure you have? Yeah, that is a good one. I love the minimalist too. Um, mm-hmm. And you are so on point with that because that's true. It's not mm-hmm. to say that you have to go cheap because I don't, I don't believe in that. But I don't also, I, but I am, I don't believe that, like you were saying, like everything has to be, unless that's what you want and you got it that way. Hey, and that's, and if that's your mindset, that's great. But I know for a lot of us, that's important to hear. Like we can mm-hmm. have nice things mm-hmm. and the things that yeah. really matter. You know what I'm saying? But every, yeah. everything don't matter like that. There's levels to it. Everything yeah. doesn't matter like that. Like a pair of socks, you can get you know, a great quality pair of socks that really no one ever sees for, mm-hmm. you know, $5 a pair, or I don't even know how much socks cost, or you can get that really luxury pair of socks again, that no one ever sees, but you have a specific desire for that because you like no other sock fits the same, um, mm-hmm. the quality, whatever you love the way they look, they're luxurious and it's, you know, $30 a pair or $50 a pair, but it really it's up to you. No one can say what you should or shouldn't spend on for quality. Um, but everything ain't on the same level as far as, nope. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. that, that's, that's good. That's real good. Crystal. I appreciate you saying that. And I actually wrote that down. <laughs> well, I tried my best to keep this episode at around 30 to 40 minutes, like I told you before we started recording. But as you can see, that's just not always possible. So um, I will wrap this up. Do you have any like last words, any, um, I don't know, last thoughts or anything that you want to leave with 
um, the listeners today? Um, I would just say to, you know, to the listeners out there that, you know, how you treat yourself, um, how, how you treat your money and your finances is a reflection of how you feel about yourself. And mm. so this idea of self-care really branches out into every area of your life. And if you are looking to love yourself more, then a great place to start is by creating more stability and security and self-sufficiency in your financial life. And that is possible for anyone at any price point, at any um, financial level. I didn't mention any specific amount, so I'm going to say this now, which is just that when we first started working on getting debt free, both my husband and I were both making about $50,000. Um, Mm -hmm. now granted we're a two income household. So together we could put that together and we could find ways of doing that. But $50,000 is, that's a, you know, I mean, we're all at different levels, but $50,000 is not a high income. (laughs) You know, we were not high income earners, which is just to say at any level you are at, you can learn how to be better. Even if it's just one degree better because one degree or 1% better over time is better than staying the same. Um, mm-hmm. And the other mm-hmm. thing is, you know, tap into some of these free resources. I mean, you, you certainly can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Facebook. I actually have mm-hmm. a group on Facebook um, mm-hmm. just for women called real women building wealth, which is just a group of, of women who share where they are. We, we inspire one another. And, and the fact is like, Find yourself a community. If, if we're the mm-hmm. sum total of the, the three to five people around us, you're going to have to start looking at that circle. And sometimes you can, what I love about social media is you actually can create your own circle without them having to be people that you really even have to associate with. You can just put them in your circle by following them and reading them and building that content into your life. Yeah. You know, you can, you got, you have that for free. So build that circle for yourself. If you don't see people in your day-to-day life who are trying to be debt-free, and trust me, that is normal because most debt is normal now. So if you want to be debt-free, you know, follow the hashtag debt-free community on Instagram. You'll get plenty of free, free, free resources of people really honestly sharing their numbers, sharing their wins, sharing their losses. You know, you can do this if you decide you want to do it and you put the right kind of support around you. And that support, like I said, can be absolutely free. Mm. If anybody else, uh, did anybody else write down that hashtag? (laughs) Hashtag debt free community. I certainly did. I'm going to follow that hashtag on Instagram because I love to just watch um, and just kind of be behind the scenes like a creeper, just looking and reading and (laughs) learning. just seeing what other people do <laughs> so that's what i do yeah. so i'll definitely be following that hashtag so thank you for mentioning that <clears throat> as well well and again before we wrap up where again can i know you have the group but can you yes. again tell us where you can where you can be found on instagram yeah so on instagram i'm at crystal with a k underscore financial underscore friend And you'll find me there just sharing my debt-free journey, sharing our wealth building journey, um, sharing my self-care Sundays because self-care is so important to me, often sharing content, um, content right from, you know, this podcast and, and the page that goes along with it. 
And uh, again, you can find me also on Facebook as Down to Earth Wealth is a page where I share, you know, much of the same content as Instagram and also articles and other people who are in this uh, financial independence uh, movement. And then I also have the private group if you're interested and you're a, you know, a woman looking to build wealth called Real Women Building Wealth. And that's also on Facebook. All right. Well, thank you so much, Crystal, for uh, sharing a part of your story and also for pouring into us today and for just being a guest on the show. I greatly appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, it's me, uh, Bree. I am back. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you were able to get some good takeaways from that. Uh, Crystal and I are in conversations to have a part two because there is more to this journey that I just did not have the time to dig into because this episode already ran a little long and I'm trying my best to keep the episode short, but sometimes it's hard. Uh, But in any case, thank you so much for listening. There will be another episode next Monday for sure. Uh, Plus some bonus episodes possibly coming this week. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week.